This is your wrestling podcast fix. New weekly episodes of Inziguri on SoundCloud.com. Yo. Hey. What's going on? Not much. This is Fran. JCO. This is TV Richards. With another episode of The Inziguri. Tonight, before we get started on our interview, we're going to talk about things that we are going to discuss later on in the week with the next episode. So, mm-hmm. it's stuff that we are aware about, but if we don't mention it, it's not like we're trying to play catch up. So, mm-hmm. what happened over the last few days? No, nothing. I just Ubered. Made some money. What about the show that you just caught on the phone? Oh, um, it was okay. It was okay? But I will tell you this week. What do you think of it? Yeah, what's up? Get off your phone! We got a show to conduct! Fighter Fest. I caught bits and pieces of it, but it looked like a pretty good show. Yeah. We will discuss the uh, wonderful chair shot to the head that Cody took. But tonight, we have... The Colossal Mike Law. The Colossal Mike Law, and he's actually waiting for us right now. So we're going to give him a call and see if he answers. Hey. Hey, Dave, what's up, man? Doing good. How you doing? Good, good. Can you hear me clearly? Um, can we hear him? Yeah, like, can you put up the volume a little, or is that the most it'll go? I think that's the most my volume can go up. Hey, Mike, how's everything going? This is Fran, and, uh... This is JCL. Got... How's it going, man? Yep. You want to bring that up? Cool, no, it's... Cool. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I'm talking to Dave, and I didn't hear who else was speaking, so my apologies. Okay, I'm, I go by DB... On the show, um, we got Fran and JCL. Okay. So, okay, um, let's start this whole um topic up. Um, who trained you in the wrestling business? So, um, I was trained originally at a place called Arena Puerto Rico, where a lot of guys like low key homicide, uh, the hit squad originally emanated from uh, but I was trained by two people this guy uh, Carlos Miguel Morales who really never made a name for himself but you know he, he taught me a lot of the fundamentals and then a guy named Lathan Tower Torture who taught me a lot more and um, you know he uh, he later helped me out a lot and progressed uh, I also give a shout out to, to Low Life Louis Ramos because he was another guy that helped me out along the way you know, back in the, when we used to be out there in the doghouse in Queens, New York, or Brooklyn, I should say, uh, back in 98 is when I started training. So, it's been a while. Okay. I, I know how it is when you're getting into the business. How was how was your parents, um, when you told your parents, like, um, you're going to get into the wrestling business, what did they say? Uh... I admit there was a lot of hesitation on their part. I mean, you got to realize, I was only 15 years old, and I was in it. In back at that time, it was just such a different monster altogether, you know what I mean? Like, it was funny, because I actually was speaking of Homicide this past weekend, and, you know, he's been around for a very long time, and he's seen how it's changed. And I said the same thing, too. I go, not, like, you couldn't, you couldn't get away with the stuff that they were doing back then now in terms of how 
you know, you kind of were initiated into wrestling, you know, like, there was a, a ruggedness that I think is no longer, not that it's no longer there, but it isn't as affluent as it used to be, you know, I, I think uh, there was a, a level of toughness, of ruggedness that we had back then that I don't know, I'm not saying it's not around now, it probably isn't as fostered, um, I don't, I think my parents were supportive, but I also feel that, you know, they, they knew that, you know, it could be dangerous, man. Like, I was only 15 years old, started to train. I didn't make uh, the high school team, so I was like, uh, maybe I'll be a pro. You know, I was, I was really a fan of pro wrestling, and my uncle was a ref in a local indie company out in Brooklyn. And so it just, you know, kind of snowballed from there. I went to train. I got my ass kicked several times, and... You know, I just learned the ropes from that point on. You know, it wasn't as, like now, the training now is a lot different. It's a lot more uh, conducive to long-term, like, learning and, and being able to condition your body. Back then, it was, you probably got beat up for a long time before you were able to do anything. When you were, um, b- before you decided that you wanted to look into pro wrestling, like, which wrestlers did you watch where you kind of told yourself, you know, this is something that I could look into. Obviously, smaller guys, you know, back, you know, when I even thought about it, I've always wanted to be a pro wrestler. Like, I had, you know, photos of when I was, like, six with a championship title and, and you know, and, and my makeshift gear. But I would say, like, weirdly, you know, I just, oddly enough, um, as I you know, grew into learning the process of being a professional wrestler. Like, the stuff that I would look at as now as somebody who's training, I would say, like, guys like Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, um, but then I had guys like, like, for me, I like, I would look at Mikey Whipwreck because he was a guy that just took a beating, and I was, I was so in awe about that. And I was like, man, this guy is getting in there with some tough dudes, he's getting destroyed, and he just keeps coming back. And, you know, I... I've, funny enough, I've met Mikey several times, and, you know, in, in passing and such, and it's one of the things where I've never actually had the chance to tell him that when I was coming up, he was a guy that I looked up to in the sense that I was like, this dude isn't the most physically intimidating guy, and I'm not, that's not a knock on him, it's just the way he was portrayed, you know? Yeah. And, but he just took a beating, and he just, he was such the ultimate underdog. Yeah, exactly. Like it's um, it's it's kind of like so, so. One of the subjects that gets brought up a lot with wrestling these days is like the uh, how 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 it's looked at compared to like combat sports where they have weight divisions and everything. And like one of the things is with pro wrestling, you kind of have to get away from the idea of like you know you're gonna have times where it's gonna be like bigger guys against smaller guys. So, oh, I agree, man. I mean, like you know. This- behind me and the, the moniker Colossal Mike Law was the fact that uh, every in, in my entire life I've always been the underdog. I've always been the smaller guy. Um, and so, like, I've always had to face the bigger, you know, wrestlers. Back when I first started, there were two options you had uh, as far as the indies. It wasn't like, you know, we had guys like my size as regulars. Uh, you were either, like, juiced to the gills or you were a very, very heavy, 
almost sloppy looking person who they didn't want to do much, but they were very, they were very much okay with beating up the younger guys and kind of just like, you know, just bullying them. And which, to me, I've always dealt with bullies, so I didn't, I didn't mind fighting back. And it made, to me, I always told people like, I, I wanted it. I wanted these guys to come at me because I said to myself, they're, they're testing me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna come back. So it was never. A, a question of being intimidated. There have been times where I'm like, I, you know, I know I'm going in there to get my ass kicked. This guy's like three or four hundred pounds, and they're not gonna, you know, it's just not gonna be easy. So, right again, it's just a level of ruggedness that that isn't. I don't know if it's around as much anymore. Okay, we're gonna go back to 18 years. Um, your first match, and who was it against? Um, there was something that you were mentioning earlier like about the the whole training process with how things were back then compared to now and it kind of reminded me of this um it was this YouTube video that the uh, warrior put up talking about how wrestlers now are made from a different kind of cloth I guess to put a term to it but what do you find that is better now as far as the overall training goes and things that they could probably bring back into the fold like as far as things that's like they don't do this anymore they but they probably should uh you know funny enough i was actually talking about this uh yeah, at this point but um i think the training overall now is better because there is more emphasis on like there are more now than there were, and then don't get me wrong, there are still those places and those carny guys who, you know, who've never done anything, have never, you know, were always terrible in the ring, lack psychology, lack any in-ring presence or ability, and they'll rip off, you know, guys and girls who probably don't know any better. That still does exist on a very small scale, but it does still happen, but I think the talent 
are in a different spectrum where it's more like you have to be tougher in order to give your body type of punishment that we do by doing more moves, by, you know, like, it's just a different level of toughness. Whereas back then, when I started, and I, and I always tell people, yes, I had it hard, but I think I had it easy compared to the previous generation. But I never said to myself, like, oh, they're, they're being tough on me. They were, but it was, to me, it was still, I felt better than, like, than the previous generation that I had heard stories about how, how things went down. Um, as far as overall training, yeah, I think, think the people now, I, I see places like Creator Pro, which is uh, Pat Buck and, and, and uh, Hawkins uh, over here in Long Island. Uh, I see NYWC, and I see different places in the Monster Factory and all that. And, man, it's just like those guys get it. You know what I mean? You're trained to, you're trained to be athletes who can simulate, uh, you know, simulate uh, wrestling, you know, and... and in fighting and matches that you know that people are going to be compelled to watch not so much on like with Bill Million moves but so much more on the storytelling on the conditioning uh, you know there's so many different aspects of wrestling that people don't just generally get but like I think the schools and the training centers that I have become familiar with are very big on that and that's that's very important it, it wasn't like that when, when I was coming up yeah, like one of the things, or the the other thing that you're mentioning about, like how you know there seems to be a focus on being able to do a lot of moves, and I, I guess the uh, when people online talk about like, oh, this this match that had like 500 flips in it and all that stuff. Do you think that's kind of just because that's that's very much how the current style is, or what people consider a good match? But like, I mean, do do you feel that there's like a um, that there's kind of a space for that, like, as long as they're still telling a story within that match. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I'm a fan. To me, I like, like, a lot. I know a lot of the guys who've been around, the young vet, veterans who've been around for a while, but are still young enough to, you know, just, you know, they're in their mid-30s, but they've been around for, like, over 10 years, myself included. Uh, this, man, there's such wrestling now. There is room for all that. When guys are like, oh, well, he can't do a million flips in a match, you know, I'm not against that. And I'll tell you why, because if we all did the same type of match and the same type of story, then it really wouldn't appeal. you got to be able to appeal to all the different audiences. you got to be able to appeal to the kids. you got to be able to, to appeal to the, to the fans who uh, are smarter to the business. You have to appeal to those hardcore niche fans. Um, so to me, the different styles, whether it's deathmatch wrestling, high spot wrestling, uh, you know, brawling, technical, lucha, uh, you know, all these different styles, I'm open to that. Because to me, it's like the, the younger guys are doing the million moves. That's cool. But I'll have a match two matches later that will incorporate some of those moves. Yet, uh, mine has a little bit more timing and more storytelling to it. So it'll mean more. And I'm not saying that this stuff is, is any less, uh, you know, uh, inferior. Not by any means. I'm just saying, like, it's just going to be a different story that the fans can follow. So, it, like, the first match may be a fast-paced, like, banger, six minutes, and they're doing a bunch of stuff to, to kind of get themselves uh, seen by the audience. But then I'll come out maybe, you know, after an admission or even before or whatever. And to me, I know how my style is. I know 
I, not that I'm a slower paced guy, but I like to build into stories, and I kind of like to, you know, make stuff mean things. You know, it, it's just a different way of going about telling a story. Yeah, it's like a little bit for every everybody. Like, uh, what was yeah. that? Um, so we had a bunch of wrestlers that came on, and they, for advice, they always said less is more. Do you agree with that, or? Oh, like the advice of less is more? Yeah. You know, it's funny, because I, 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 I did a Seth Rollins seminar uh, back in WrestleMania weekend, whatever that, that was, and... You know, he was very adamant, and I was like, after hearing him say that, you know, I understood where he was coming from, and, you know, who better to say something than a guy who, you know, is one of the top guys in our industry, Seth Rollins, so it was just one of those things where it's all perspective, man, like, I personally feel that, yes, things could slow down a little bit and let him foster, so that way there's, the fans can digest it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying go go at a snail a snail's pace because it's just the evolution of wrestling, of pro wrestling. It, you're not going to be able to just do a, a headlock for ten minutes and then do you know uh, another like rest hold. You know what I mean? Or, or a submission. Yeah. Like it really depends on the context of the match and the story you're trying to convey. But um, there, you know, like. You could still do an '80s style match in this in this decade in this time frame, and kind of evolve it where it incorporates some of the modern style of professional wrestling. You know what I mean? Like the basics, the fundamentals of pro wrestling will always live on. You know what I mean? Like it's just like people like want to change the wheel, and that's cool. And I'm all about people being innovative. It's very cool to see. But, like, the fundamentals of getting people emotionally invested into a match, that doesn't, that, that will never stop making money. Like, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it is the pro wrestling business, and we talk about, like, how people pay to, to, to you know, to watch matches or fights. Emotion will sell the fight, you know? Yeah. That's my, that's my little tidbit, tidbit of advice, is, like, you can do all the moves, get all the, but like, emotion, you know, one of the coolest compliments I guess for fans, you know, at the shows, or when they're, you know, they're at my table, is like, yeah man, like, I just, I, I, like, I'm, I was so into it, I, mean, I got emotionally invested in it, or, or they're like, yeah man, like, I, I was really just trying to cheer you on, and it was nothing like, no crazy move I did, it was just, you know, a fiery comeback, you know, it hit knock the dude's head off with a clothesline and you just you're in the moment and the fans will gravitate to that you know okay um next question um you've had a pretty decent 18 I mean pretty great 18 year career um was there any advice you were given that you've taken to heart that you like constantly like think about over the course of your career and preach to other younger guys I would have been a 
mouth shut and listen, I, that that goes a long way, man. Because if back in the, the difference between now and back then is the, the term, and there's probably more, but in general, back then if you didn't keep your mouth shut and your your ears open and you mouthed off, you, you got the shit slapped out of you. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. the way, or you know, you got you got her. Somebody like a, like a shooter, somebody would get you in the ring, and they would beat you until you uh, learned your lesson, or you didn't come back. Uh, nowadays, it's different. Where if you don't, if you if you put your spot off with the mouth, it's more like well, you're, you're not that you're blackballed because I mean I don't know who really is, but you won't get looked at, and people in that carries on like that. Um, that reputation of you know being difficult to to work with having or being, you know, loud and, and, and probably being a little bit opinionated without having done anything, that can bite you in the ass. Not so much if someone's going to, like, punk you out. Again, I, I don't know if that's really the case anymore, but I think it's more along the lines that, well, you're, not, you're probably not going to get booked very much. Okay, here's a question. So, out of all the... um promoters that you've worked for like who 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 you always had like the most respect for it's like yeah i know that i know that if i work for this guy or whoever it might be that like you know that they'll hold up their end of the bargain and there's no like issue with it um it's hard and i know it's like they're like because I, I mean i would say uh recently um guys over at the uh at uh what do you call it um gosh I'm forgetting because off the top of my head I'm just thinking of like all the bad promoters I've had to deal with oh no that's fine we 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 forget about things all the time too so (laughs) yeah because the thing is with that it's like every promoter that I've dealt with at least within the last two years has always been good like uh you know, we, we all get to a point, especially when you've been doing this long, where it's like, yes, I love pro wrestling, but, like, I'm also not willing to kill myself for, for, you know, it is a monetary thing. It is a money thing, after all, because you can love pro wrestling, but you're, you're also putting your body on the line. And I, I can't think specifically, you know, I know Off Point has been great to me. Uh, you know, our debut from Capital Wrestling has also been pretty much like my home uh, for, for, for a while now. They've been great to me. Um, so, you know, not only because they allow me to represent them and, like, put me in a position to, like, succeed and, uh, and showcase my talents, but really because, you know, they've, it, it's always been good business. And that's all I can ask for. I, I, I like, I, I kind of cringe when I get booked on some of these events. And, like, I'll do my part to promote the event. Uh, I, that's one of the things that comes with having these, you have a guy who's one, reliable, two, is somebody who's gonna go and, and talk about whatever organization I'm on and promote it, but also the lack of promoting from some of the promoters, and that kind of that bugs me more than anything, because if the pay's there, fine, but if I'm wrestling in front of 20 people, then it, I, 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 it's like I'll go, I'll, I'll always go out of my way, I'll always, like, give my best because they paid their harder money but like what are you doing like you're not you're missing the key component in the word promoter which is to promote the event 
And I know a few people recently who threw a few other people under the bus regarding uh, the lack of attendance at certain shows. And um, to me, that just is, it's nonsensical, man. Like, you're the promoter. Promote the event. Go out there, do the footwork. I used to be a promoter, too. I know exactly I had to do and how to go about getting fans to go through that door and pay for a ticket. And so there, to me, having been on that end at one point, there's really no excuse. Amy Lee, Amy Lee said that on her interview with us, that um, promoters need to promote more. It's not her job to promote. And I, well, yeah, I mean that's like one of the bigger topics as far as like even like the um, the larger scale companies. Everybody's always like talking about like ticket sales and like I remember even uh even on Friday was was uh, gonna go to the Ring of Honor event that was in Baltimore and I looked at the ticket sales for that and it was like, man, they still have a lot of tickets available, so like, people still need to kind of stay on top of that like, regardless of whether they have a name or not, so <clears throat> I agree, I agree uh, listen, if you're a local company uh, that does shows if you're not a Ring of Honor, you're not powered or, or backed by a Tony Khan or Sinclair Broadcasting um, or Vince McMahon, you need to do the footwork. That's the, like, the fact that there are promoters out there who've been running numerous years and still feel that putting a Facebook ad or a Twitter tweet or whatever the case may, may be as a way to get fans through the door, a, a, wrestler, a wrestler can do only so much. We will go out there, and I've cut promos for numerous companies, and I try to put out as much as I can. And I think a lot of other talent nowadays know that you have to put out content. But you can have the greatest talent in the world. You can have the greatest card uh, on the planet. But if you're not out there doing the footwork or getting a street team to go within a five-mile radius of the venue to promote your event, you're not going to do well. It's just, again, this is something coming. I'm not, like, by no means am I, you know a promoter extraordinaire, but I've had great shows that I've promoted, and I've had bombs. And the difference with that was the lack of promoting. Plain and simple. As, um, as, as far as uh, wrestlers or people that you've worked with, do you think that there's ever, um, I guess, an exception to the rule? Because I remember with uh, one of the House of Hardcore events, it was, like, one of the Hardy Boys' last uh, appearances before, like, going to WWE. And, like, that's that show basically sold out just just because they were going to be there, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, have, you have, like, you, you know, you have the hard, like, you have guys like that. Those guys are going to be a draw wherever you put them, you know what I mean? There are still those draws that you can put on the marquee that if you put them on a card... But yes, you have to promote it. Like uh, I'm pretty sure Tommy and Hardcore did their due diligence, due diligence, and they went around their way to make sure that they certainly didn't have to promote on the ground as much as, let's say, I don't know, like one of the ABC companies out there that doesn't right. have that internet following. But they still probably, I'm, I'm, I'm probably very sure that they did put the, you know, just put us to the ground there. And pounded the pavement, you know. Yeah, and, they they still have to put the work in. I we, I could tell when um Tommy put his effort into a house hardcore show, and not and tell us what matches are on the card, to the ones that he it was all surprises, and nobody came to the show. Yeah, 
Yeah, there, there were a couple of times where, um, I mean, I guess this could happen at any show where it's like, well, okay, I guess that would be the other thing is because this has happened at HOH events also where the the card would not be announced. He would just let people know that a show was going on, like, and so we would kind of go there and be like, okay, I guess, uh. It was always like 50-50 if it was going to be good or not. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think. You know what it is because it, Tommy Dreamer was behind the brand, and he's always been one of those guys that will always try to put his best foot forward and give the fans. You know, he is really about the fans uh, in that sense, in that he, you know, he, he's gonna try even if it's a full nothing's been you know disclosed as far as matches, uh, but the talent is there. You know, he'll try to you know put together a card that people can go home and be like, oh, that was great. You know, and I think. It's part of the appeal sometimes. I think it really depends on the company. I don't think just any company could get away with that. Uh, that has to be something where that, that, that crowd is like, okay, it's, it tops the hardcore. We know it has a reputation for some crazy outlandish matches that we probably haven't seen before. Let's let's take that risk and uh, let's buy that ticket and let's see what... And, 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 and most of the time from what I found out, like they were able to come through. Um, Unfortunately, I would say a lot of the companies now can't really do that. <laughs> you have to have that talent. You have, to me, I think the big missing piece of the puzzle for a lot of companies now is there's totally a lack of... If you're running every month or, run, you know, whatever... If you're not running every month, then storylines mean absolutely nothing. But to me, I always tell people that storyline... Like, you need storylines in wrestling because... I don't know if anyone here or on, on this call or anything like caught the comic books, but I was a comic book guy. And the reason I purchased, for example, like Uncanny X-Men, you know, issue 13 was because, uh, all right, I got brought in with storytelling. And then from there, it would continue to um, the following issue. But the reason I bought the following issue and I was ready for that first of the month was because the story was so good that I would, I would in turn devise in this comic book to continue to see how it would, would work out. And so, same thing with storytelling, with storytelling and the storylines and wrestling, I feel like that needs to be something that there needs to be a focus point. Oh, storylines and wrestling are huge. Like, one of the things that we talked about over the last so many episodes was that, um, so with how the larger i mean like how wrestling is in general how people talk about like oh we know it's fake i mean we could talk to these people on social media and like know that like some of these feuds going on like these people could be friends or what like you know so many things involved but it's the fact that like people are willing to put that aside if there's a good storyline to invest in it's the same thing with like movies or tv shows everybody knows that those are fake too but they could put that aside because they have because there's something to invest their emotions and so <clears throat> you're absolutely right man it goes back to just getting them emotionally invested like it, it's just it, it's not it's like a like an easy concept per se but I think sometimes because we live in a world where there's like instant gratification people don't have the patience anymore and, and I'll be honest sometimes with even myself you know like people just don't have the patience anymore to really follow through. And I'm not saying that this is a general statement. It's not like saying everybody, but like 
we live in a, a world of instant gratification, so people aren't, they're like, it's like, if they can't follow it, like, right away, and that's why I always tell people, keep it easy, I tell promoters, keep this, you know, it's a, guy A, good guy A, and, good, and bad guy B don't like each other, well, let them fight it out, whether it's a personal reason or because it's for a title, but, like, just keep it simple, and then you can kind of just mess with it later when you get that core fan base that will come to every show. You know what I mean? It's like too many times people are just trying to re- reinvent the wheel on one show without getting the audience involved, you know, emotionally invested in it. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Well, well, here's a here's a follow-up to that question. Was that, um, is there ever a time where, like, you know, you also had to keep in mind, like, the risks involved with, like, long-term booking like uh, like an example would be for the uh johnny gargano tomaso champa storyline in nxt like how they they had that storyline going for a long time but then but then champa got injured and they couldn't really finish that i mean that was just an unfortunate set of circumstances uh the fact that those guys have like that legitimacy in terms of like they do go back and that helps that whole thing fall together and it was very, it was, it was very nicely packaged in the sense that, like, there was some legitimate background ground between those two guys. They were tag teams, and, and, and they, they came up in the Indies pretty much, you know, give or take, uh, together. Uh, they went through a lot of the same companies on the way up. So, you know, the fact that, you know, Klaus did get injured, uh, it sucks. He's talented. He's crazy talented. Uh, but it's just, you know... I've seen it happen where, you know, where uh, either someone gets injured or um, someone no-shows. It happens a lot in independent wrestling, which is what I get, like, that's what I get told a lot. when we can't do storylines because of independent wrestling and, you know, so-and-so might not make it for the next two shows because they have either pride commitment or because, you know, another booking, whatever the case may be. So, or, or it's like unfortunate circumstance, so you just have to kind of go from there. Yeah, you always have to have a plan B, I think. You know what I mean? You don't ever want to have that normally, but you also want to have, like, man, I will say that, and that's why I think that when people talk about the genius of Paul Heyman, is that, like, he always, when the guy wasn't able to make it, or a girl, whatever the case may be, he was able to always turn it around where it, it, it would just lead into another story. And, and it was just really, really booking. I mean, that's just what it boils down to, you know. It's, it's the booking process of, you know, okay, well, this isn't going to happen. What can we do to kind of supplement it and make it better as opposed to letting it be a drag that, well, you know, so-and-so didn't make the event and that kind of screwed over our match. Try to, like, you know, because it, it's going to happen. It, it happens, like you just talked about Tomas Chiampa. It's going to happen there. It's going to happen in the indie level. So we, I think the bookers and the people who put the events together, they need to kind of be open to that. That That, that is going to happen. Okay. i seen you were in a lot of tournaments in your lifetime. And you won the King of the New York tournament in 2017? Yeah. Like, would you love to, like, win the ECWA Super 8? Yeah, it was a Super 8 about two years ago. Well, technically, I, I was in the Super 8 twice. Really? I was in the Super 8 when uh, Sean Carr beat Leo Rush in the final. That was supposed to be me. And then uh, 
out before the event started. And then the following year, uh, I did beat Carr, and then I won. I got my spot in the Super Eight. The following year, uh, I think uh, Richard Holiday. Yeah, Richard Holiday won that from MLW. Okay, okay. So, um, I I did watch. I, I did buy the um, Super Eight this year. And I loved your own um, main event match. What 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 happened with ECWA? Why did they close down? Uh, I I fractured my toe in that match. Funny enough. Uh, oh really? Uh, I I'm gonna assume that when I got back body to the out back body drop to the outside, and I just kind of overshot it, and I landed all my weight on my left foot, and I fractured my toe. Uh, on that, um, and I mean, I'm still wrestling with it, so it's not like it stopped me, but it, it does occasionally interfere with things and it gets annoying, but it's not like, it's not a pain that I couldn't handle. Um, why did ECWA go out of business? Um, again, I mean, you know, like, I, I, I don't even know what to start <laughs> and, and how frustrating that whole thing was because it had not, like, you can from my Tartaglia or anybody to blame the the rest like I when you always put the flyers up for you like the lack of promoting you're not you're like it goes back to promoting events as a guy who's done this in the past for SWE and for other companies that that I helped start and help you know promote it, it's, a, it's an easy concept guys you've got to go out there you got to come straight you're, you don't have the internet presence you do not have TV don't have the national backing of a multi-billion dollar conglomerate. You're a local indie that needs to get fans through that door and on those seats. And you can have the best talent in the world because you, they did have talent. They had plenty of talent. If you look at that Super 8, not not including the, the, the guys like myself, Kakoa, uh, Black Dave, um, you know, uh, Asriel, all guys who've done this for a long time and have been proven track record, but the guys in the Super 8 itself who had a lot of backing, um, it, it was a lack of promoting in the area. I mean, I just don't know how... <coughs> he could, the, the biggest problem, I, you know, you could blame the other the, you know, the other guys that are involved. You could try to blame the talent. You could blame the, the economy. You could blame, you know, uh, the, the plethora of companies running in the area. You could blame the weather, whatever else. He had who he has to blame because but they don't have my, Kettner anymore. The, but to blame the fans, you're gonna blame the fans for not showing up. That's insane. See, I like, didn't talk about. I didn't go because um, I just got in a car accident and I didn't have any money to go get a ticket. That's my problem. <laughs> but you know what? It, it, it's a it's a numbers game. It, it really is. It's like it's like sales. You know, like it, it's a numbers game have to, it's a contact sport, and to me, the fact that there was a lack of actual, like, ground, and, you know, ground, and footwork being done to promote, to me, the biggest super eight they've had in a long time, it was a mistake, and that's not, that doesn't fall on the wrestlers, that falls on the promoters, yeah. or the promoter, you know, I had given that guy plenty of ideas on how to, like, get this, the word out, the product itself wasn't bad. Like it wasn't. It, like you. Like ECWA, the product with the talent that, that were working and busting their ass every night that they 
promote an event, or, or I should say, had an event, we're always like up to make sure that the fans went home happy with hard work, great storytelling. You know, it, it wasn't a lack of effort from the town's part. It's just like you Facebook invite for a local company. I know it's a hard pill for some people to swallow, uh, but it, it's the truth. Dude. It's not a national company. Um, it, it's very difficult. You know what I mean? Like, you, it's not gonna. It's not gonna work. It wasn't to me. You have to get the word out. You, you have to. Hit. We were in South Philly, which I don't think ECW had ever run before in that market. No, so I don't think so. You're having. I mean, I could be completely wrong. I mean, I, like they've, they've been around forever. But I've never, I, like, for them to run the South Philly market for the first time in one of the biggest events of the year, I thought that was a mistake. They should have stayed in Delaware. They should have built that territory up. And they would have gone, they would have done well in Delaware. They would have done well in Delaware. And um, they could have continued to expand after solidifying a core base of an audience in one location. You cannot go and spread out to 10 different locations where you're not doing well in one. I, I think there's a lack of um, uh, wrestling in North Delaware. That's where we're at. Well, that's mostly what ECWA was all about, was like the like the Northern Delaware area. So that, that was kind of the market that they were uh, known for. <clears throat> but it's like you don't hear anything about it. You know what I mean? I remember, listen, this, it, was a tall, it was a telling tale when I was at, at a, a, a Wawa uh, on the way to one of the, the, the uh, ECWA events, and I saw a flyer on one of their community boards at Wawa because they don't care. They're like, you know, fine. Like, I, I've been, I've, I've, promo- I've put up flyers at gasoline stations all the time when I was, I do it. And, uh... I saw a, a flyer for uh, Wrestling After Dark, which was the company that Chad Menez was, work, was, yes. was uh, running. And that, that show was in Atlantic City. <laughs> so you're going to tell me that the company that's running in Atlantic City was able to get flyers up in a place in Delaware. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it just, it, I, I remember reading the article that, that, that was posted and seeing that Mike Tartaglia threw a bunch of people onto the bus, and I'm like, like, this guy's got to be joking, you know? And I never, I never agree with everything that Mike's done. I never agree with a lot of things he said, for sure. But I at least had a little bit of respect for the fact that the guy was an entrepreneur. He tried to do his own thing. I could respect that. As a former business owner, I've owned my own two businesses in the past. I could have appreciated that. But it really, like, burnt me, man, the wrong way when I saw that he blamed the wrestlers he, he, he blamed a fan. Like, that, you know, like, how do you come back from that? You know, like, it's, yeah, that's, don't blame the fans, man. That's pretty that, much that's the nail in the coffin there, so. I, I heard other stories, but, um, is it all a reason, like, I know Mike Keener was big on ECWA. Do you think, um, him leaving ECWA going down to Maryland took away from up here for ECWA? I mean, it could have. I, I really don't know. Uh, I, I love Mike Keener. He's, he's one of the guys that I can constantly like rely on and talk to. Um, I don't necessarily think it, it was just that. Um, uh, I do believe that a lack of focusing in one location 
definitely hurt them because I'll, I'll give you kind of an idea. So the Super A, let's see. The, so when I won the title, the CWA heavyweight title, that was in Atlantic City. So we were doing Atlantic City at the showboat. The first event, which was a Thanksgiving Day weekend, which I was shocked because I was like, that's like a death knell because I'm thinking that's not going to work. They drew, they drew close to 300 people that night. You know, give or take. I'm not I'm not the guy who's like, oh, well, they drew 500 people. I'm saying two to 300. I'm being, trying to be as fair as I can. Um, and I was impressed with that. And in the following month, they drew probably above 50 to 200, you know, just to be, again, fair. And uh, to me, it was one of those things where they went back to Delaware. And they, like, there was no focal point for the fan. Like, it, it's, just, it, it's just different for fans. Of like, okay, am I traveling an hour out of my way to go to the show? Or am I traveling 10, 12 minutes, 15 minutes? Because yeah. it goes back to that. It goes back to promoting in the area. Because if you're a wrestling fan and, and, and you want to be wrestling your area, but you don't have the means to travel to Atlantic City, well, guess what? We're running in Delaware. Hit up that area. You, there are plenty of businesses out there. There really is no excuse. Like anyone who's been in that part of, uh, of Delaware knows this plenty of businesses and shops and uh, plazas that you can promote your, you know, put flyers on, whatever right. the case may be. And uh, there's just, there was never any focus point, and I think you lost a lot of the fans because it was like, well, one month we're here, one month we're here. You're like, again, not a national company. It, it, it's still an independent company that, you know, was just still trying to find itself in that time. Yeah, I didn't see them try to like come onto our Facebook page, try and promote on there. Because mostly a lot of people on that page is from that area. You know what I mean? But uh, I had like I had Chad, I had Matt Tremont, all promoting their stuff on our page, and they were getting fan base. You know what I mean? And that's fine, but that you see, that's one of the aspects of promoting. Like you, okay, the advantage we have now, and we had. When I first started in 1998, we didn't have this, the, it was the advent of the internet, the World Wide Web. We didn't have that where guys now are able to get looked at by doing something, you know, probably a little nutty, a little questionable, and they get that instant pain, that instant gratification, where, like, for us, it wasn't like that. We had, we, you know, we, we had a wrestle in these small towns in the middle of nowhere in front of 20, 30 people, and the, the promoters actually had to do the or else you weren't getting anybody in the show. Now, it's not a means to get the fans, but it is a tool you can use to increase the brand awareness and increase, like, the visibility of the company. Again, social media is great, but it's not the end to getting the fans through the door. Yeah. Okay, um, let's go into... I, I see that you have a, a tag team name. I don't know how way back it was. Super Best Friends. How did you guys get, um, think of that name? Because they're best Super friends. Super Best Friends? <laughs> Simple as that. Oh, that's not fair. Gosh, I was hoping it was to be complicated and be a good story. <laughs> <laughs> now I see that. Yeah, I... Go ahead. No, 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 I was saying, I, I don't, I don't, I never used that tag name. Super, I, Super Best Friends, who's that? I don't know, because, I don't know either. 
Oh, you got, you got the names mixed up, maybe. Did I? Oh. Like, like you did with another one. I bet I did. Fuck with you. <laughs> I, don't know. I give. Okay, up. moving along. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> Speaking of social media, how do you feel about wrestlers using social media now compared to like how things were back then? Like basically using it to like extend their character and like continue on their gimmick. It's a good thing. It's a double-edged sword. Um, it really depends, like, what kind of... I've noticed this in the past because I noticed some people are about to get away with a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that <laughs> if I really... Not that, you know, like, I'm like this evil guy, but, you know, there are times where I do want to, like, lash out, but I also know that certain people... It, it really depends who, who, you know, who you strike your nerve with, you know what I mean? Like... Uh-huh. If you end up striking your nerve with somebody that, uh, who, who gets offended, because, you know, like, now you got to watch out for that, because then what happens is, well, that leaks out, and then next, you know, someone gets offended, and it, it, it really, you really have to be a lot more careful how you choose your words, and how you present yourself on social media, because, um, some people, I, I see they can get away with it, you know what I mean, like, it's just, you know, that's his character, that's his character, um, Colossal, like, law, the character was never, like, a controversial guy, you know, in that sense, so it's not like I've, like, I've never needed to be outlandish or, or anything like that in order to kind of get over with the fans, but I do notice that some people, like I said before, like, they'll post something or they'll, uh, they'll tweet something or they'll, they'll show a video that's, like, you know, probably out of the norm, and it depends, man, like, really, you've got, you never know situation with that, you never really know what the feedback's going to be, you know, and it sucks because there are times where you do want to, there are times, I remember one time I posted something in total character, you know, like, on, I think it was on Facebook, and I got a plethora of messages saying, yeah, man, you should probably take that down, dude, promoters are going to see that, and, you know, you might get blacklisted, and I'm thinking, like, they're, they're goddamn, like, convicted, like, uh, you know rapist getting booked on shows and, and stuff like that and I gotta be worried about what I talk about and it was kind of weird that you know I got I got so many DMs about it um I don't recall what it was but it was I remember being I knew it was like hey it's me being character like give me a break like I've I've been a total pro my entire career I don't think anyone can say otherwise um and so I guess it just really it depends on what where you're where, where people view you at I guess the best social media account on Twitter still has to go to the Iron Sheik. <laughs> well, it, it, the thing, Iron Sheik uh, doesn't care anymore. And, like, that's the thing. Like, there's, like, like, what, like, what are you going to do? Like, you get a platform with the Iron Sheik? He, like, he, fuck the Hulk Hogan. He's, he's, yeah, all these guys. Like, the guys who made it to the point where they don't really need wrestling or they don't need the fame fortune because they've already made it. Yeah. These guys could give, they could give a crap. They don't care. They're like, not that, you know, but it's just one of those things where it's like, they're, they're going to say what they're going to say. And, you know, if you don't like it, you know, I'm sure it's, I, I'm sure they're not going to announce the sleepover either. Yeah. <clears throat> I know this is one of the biggest topics right now, intergender matches. Um, what do you think of... Um, like um, women, in women and men wrestling together, or transgenders wrestling women. Um, 
you know, I'll, I'll be the first to say that I was not totally for it when I first started because I wasn't, it really wasn't a concept that it was very new to me. It's like anything else, like, you know, when you, when you kind of just peek and like, okay, is this, is this something that makes sense? You know what I mean? And in terms of how you go about it, and it, you know, it goes back to how you present it. And to me, I've always tried to, like, I've wrestled some fantastic women wrestlers like uh, Nikki Adams and and um, and Ray Rachel Ray Ray Cray or Ray, Ray Lebostic, uh also fantastic. Thunder Rosa had a great match for her, um, and Zoe Sky, another incredibly talented female wrestler. So I don't think after a while, if you kind of just, I've always managed to put those matches together with the idea that this is what would make sense for this scenario. You know what I mean? Like, I just try to make it make sense where it's like, um, I, like I would make it make sense with a, like a, a, a guy wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 after a while, to me, I was able to kind of just blend it in into like, not even a male-female female thing. It was like, all right, this is what, this is what I can do to make this mean a wrestler versus a wrestler, you know? And um, I know a lot of the old school guys and even some of the newer talent, new school talent, are not for it. I, I can look. I can understand and respect it. I'm a, I'm a very easy guy like that. If there's certainly something in wrestling you don't like, I can respect it. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't like. I'm not one of those guys like. Oh well, you know you gotta watch this. Or you gotta do. You know you must must must. No man. If you don't like it, it's not your cup of tea. We're cool with that. You know. Because like back in the old days, you had Medusa and China, all wrestling men. So I, I don't know what's the difference from now and back then. Yeah, I think it's you know what it is. It, it, it's a lot more prevalent. I think a lot of the, a lot of companies are doing it now. So uh, it's just that it, it, at the time when it, when China and Medusa and them were doing it, like Medusa, I believe it was with Paul, like Paulie. She, she had a match with. Yeah. When, when she was when when that was happening, he was like, okay, he's a manager. Like he's he's not supposed to be a tough, intimidating guy. He's, He's a, you know, he's a weasel, you know? So, to me, like, that's the story behind that. It's Medusa being the badass and kicking. This, this annoying, like, little, like, uh, you know, weasel character in Paul Heyman, uh, you know. Uh, so, so, to me, that's the story there, you know? And people bought into it. China was the, you know, ninth one of the world. And she was, like, she had never, the type of physique she had had not been seen on a national level like that. You know, and so yeah. to people like it was it was something different. And she was able to convincingly overpower certain guys because she looked the part. Um, again, I try to keep that mentality of okay, this, this story makes sense with what we're trying to accomplish and get across to the fans. It has to be it has to be easy enough that anybody can pick it up, whether it's a four year old kid watching or. You know, or it's a uh, you know ninety year old wrestling fan who's been a fan for forty years. Uh, I just try to keep it that level, you know. So, one of the things that happened recently was that um, AEW's like fight, uh, fighter fest show. We were going to talk about this on a episode later this week, but um, so those aren't gunshot guys; they're fireworks. Okay, <laughs> Do you hear that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those, those are gunshots. There's people out here. And that would be like machine fire. gun fire. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are I, you got, I, got, I got my own I got my own pyro in my backyard. 
Take that, Vince McMahon. <laughs> no. Nah, um, so one of the things that people are talking about on social media is just the whole uh, the the angle where um, Ty Dillinger or Sean Spears like chair shot at Cody Rhodes in the head, and how and how everybody's like kind of saying like. You know, unprotected chair shots, it's always a huge topic just because of CT and everything. Like, what is, what's your overall opinion about that? Do you feel that that's something that they shouldn't have done or as long as there's an actual story behind it and it's just not there, just, you know. As far as unprotected chair shots? Is that what you're asking? Um, I, I guess, I guess it's, uh, like, you know, it's, personal responsibility or whatever, like, just over, just overall opinion about them. Well, to me, Cody is also a grown man. He's been doing this for many, many years. I don't think he went in there thinking, uh, you know, like, I think he had a, the right mindset of knowing what was coming, you know, like, uh, it, you know, to me, it wasn't one of those things where I hadn't seen, I saw the sequence of the, the chair shot, and I, I, I understand I'm the type of person I can, I can understand both perspectives, but as somebody who who's around when chair shots were freely used on a on every show, I mean, back in '98, people were swinging chairs like they were swinging baseball bats. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there was no there was no like all right, cover like back in the day. I'll tell you right now, and again, it's just this change in for the better. for the better. God knows we you know. When what we do already is dangerous enough. You don't need to amplify it with ridiculous uh, type of chair shots. You know, um, the story of what Ty did to, or Sean, I should say, did to Cody, it, it, it levels it up. You know what I mean? Now, all of a sudden, it went from, okay, uh, he could have ran in and punched him and beat him down, to him taking a chair to his head. Well, now that that's like, now you're trying to hurt me. Now, now I'm going to have to come because it's the difference between you coming in there and interfering, and now you're legitimately trying to hurt me, and now there's blood there, you know what I mean? So that's the building of the story. Back when we, when I started, uh, guys were getting their heads teed off like it was a game, like a video game, dude. Like, yeah, it happened like all, it happened all the time, so. <laughs> yeah, you guys know that. Like, um, I remember. Remember being on shows where guys like you better not put your hands up because if you do, you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna eat more. And I do. I would see it. I swear to you, I would see it. I would do shows in Brooklyn and the Bronx. And you put his hands up. A brother who who swung the chair didn't like it and just beat the, the hell out of him. I mean, it would be like, all right, you're taking ten more chair shots now. And it was just a level. You see, I was doing, that wasn't ruckusness. That was brutality. And there's a difference. It just again layers to what we do, and that was one of those things in that era that I'm glad is over because it, that was just dangerous, man. You know, you like Cody getting hit in the head with a chair by a trained professional like Sean, and building upon a story is one thing. But then back when we were coming up, or I was coming, up, I should say, and guys trying to protect themselves because they didn't know any better, and the guy that swung the chair swung so recklessly that the person receiving it probably was scared for their life and panicked and then proceeded to get the hell kicked out of them anyway because they're trying to protect their head. There's a, there's a different level there, you know what I mean? It's, just, it, it's changed in 
that aspect for the good reason. I personally don't have a problem with the chair shot. I think it's something that, when used correctly, uh, can help amplify story. Um, we all know about here, we're obviously a lot more aware about CT now than it was back in, in, the, in the time frame that we were talking the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. But uh, it's not like I, I, I can't see Cody Rose going back and getting, you know, like I, I can't see being a regular thing. Well one, well, one of the things about it, though, was the fact that, like, it was WWE that bought, like, main focus on that, like, when uh, everything started going on with the uh, Chris Benoit situation. But, like, it's, I mean, there's two arguments to that, because on one hand, like, they'll say, yeah, we don't do chairs to the head anymore, but at the same time, we're going to have Brock Lesnar bust people open with elbow shots to the head. I think that if you were to ask somebody, be like, yeah, I think I'd take one chair shot over, like, four or five shots to the head from Brock, so. Yeah, it, 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 it's all perspective, man. Like, again, like, at the end of the day, man, like, the, the part of wrestling kind of, like, is a little weird to me. Like, the fans are, and, and I, look, I appreciate the fans, but I, I've said this before, and, and I, I don't say it often, because, I, you know, I know I run people the wrong way, but I did skank that out in, uh, in Brooklyn this past weekend, and I wrestled Homicide, and that, was, that crowd just wanted to have a good time. You know what I mean? They were just into it. They were rushed. They were, I mean, they were probably yelling for stuff that may have been for people. I don't know, but to me, it's like, I miss that. I miss those fans who used to just be there to have a good time, not like that every little thing. Um, it's, when, know, it's when people say, I just want fans to be fans, basically, not be critics. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, like, there's a difference between being critical and saying something about, like, what you like or dislike, and then tell people how to do their job. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to, like, we as professionals know what we're getting ourselves into. You know, for good, bad, worse, or best, we know what we're getting ourselves into. We know what our body's going to feel like. It, it, it is that sacrifice that we're all willing to make to uh, entertain the fans to make them lose themselves in that in that reality of professional wrestling. But, the, you know, when people start saying, well, you know, Cody should have taken this, and, you know, I Brock Lesnar should be allowed to do that. No, look, listen, Randy Orton, when that happened, Brock Lesnar, Cody Rhodes, Sean Spears, every one of these guys, myself included, when I've gotten, and I've gotten things a few times myself, um, we, we knew, we, we were aware of the risk with this job, you know what I mean? It just, it, it, you can tell, you can, you can sympathize, you can empathize, you can critique all you want, but don't tell us how to do our job, you know what I mean? I it just, it, that, that to me is a part of the wrestling business that, that's gotten weird to me, where it's like, yeah. I'm okay with you guys criticizing or, like, I'm not, like, listen, I'm never gonna be like, Hey, you know, how's that match? Like, if I'm going to go to anybody and ask how match was, I'm going to go to somebody who's been in the business who I can... I can I'm never, I, it's not that I don't, like, appreciate feedback from fans, um, but if, if I'm not going to go up to anybody like, hey, how was that? No, man, like, I'm the performer. I'm, I'm going to tell you how it was, you know what I mean? But it's one of those things where, um, yeah, you, I, the idea of telling guys what 
blows my mind, man. I would I wouldn't go to anybody else's job and tell them to do how to do it. That's all I gotta say. That actually, um, that that I I forgot who we were interviewing, but that actually um brought up a memory of there was one person we were interviewing. They said that they had a match with a uh, hacksaw Jim Duggan, and hacksaw Jim Duggan was critiquing and giving like you know advice during the match, like, <laughs> and he during was like, yeah, during during the match he was like telling them like things. It's like okay, you could be doing this, like you know. So it's uh, it's just kind of um. Funny to hear about uh, stories like that. Was this. Chris Levin? He yeah, was Chris Levin was ta- talking about. Yeah, he was yeah, talking about his yeah. refereeing match, and he was telling him, "This is what you need to do." And that would have been fun. <laughs> that that is interesting that somebody would tell you that while you're actually in there. Uh, I don't think I've ever had that. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I thought it was a wrestler, but I forgot it, it was. Uh, it was. It was the, the referee. So, but still, it's just uh, interesting hearing about these scenarios and stories and. I know it was a big topic before, um, like, when everybody, like, the fans, I, I, I dislike half of them, um, when, um, when a wrestler does, like, like, hit the person for real, or hurt somebody, and they all blame the person, like, Nia Jax, and I bet Nia Jax didn't want to hurt somebody, but everybody just went and ape shit on her own, on Twitter, and, and... What do you think about fans going after people on social media? Again, it's subjective. There's been plenty of guys and girls that have injured people in the past, and they get, ah, they're just working a certain style, and, you know, that's just the way they wrestle. Uh, no, man, like, it, to me, again, it just goes back to, like, how are you going to tell Nia Jax how to do her job, man? Like, what we do isn't going to be pretty 100% of the time because it is different styles. But, you know what I mean, like, there's some styles that are probably less, less risky than others. But at the end of the day, this is a physical business. And I think a lot of people just forget that. I think people, you know, they get caught up in the idea that there are performances in matches. And, like, well, it's supposed to be all, you know, like, um, like everything's supposed to work out where they get to do it 100 times a year or 200 times a year. And, yes, that's, we are trained for that specifically. But that does not mean that we're not going to get caught. Like, it, it, like, it's really a numbers game, again, where you throw enough punches, you throw enough form, you do enough moves that you are going to get hurt at some point. Um, you know, or, or some people will, will catch you. I mean, uh, I just don't know how much more I can take that because, you know, for people to come out on, like, Naya, like, this is, like, when she broke... Um, you know, Becky Lynch's nose, shit happens, you know, like, it, it, it's just gonna happen, you know what I mean, like, Becky woman's up, she's like, whatever, man, like, let, let it go, and, 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 and the promise, it goes back to people, it's the difference between saying, boo, yeah, or critiquing something, and, and again, not that I would think over it, I, I don't care, um, but it's between that and now telling people how to do the job, and you're not... Unless you've actually trained and done this for a while and been in all these scenarios that you could have set yourself as a professional, well, that would have happen. Then you're probably not qualified to say whether or not Jax was in the wrong. You're not. So it's weird to me that that's in wrestling, and, and, and it happens to do with football. You know, you have to the the uh, you know the armchair quarterback telling everyone how to play. You know, like come on now, dude. <laughs> Just, just give it a rest here. Be a fan, it's cool. 
other things. That doesn't mean I know what I'm, you know what they're thinking or doing as a performer or an artist or a or an athlete. You know what I mean? Well, there was a couple of things on top of that. Was like I think there was an interview with a uh, Jackie Chan before. When he, like how whenever he talks about the stunts that he does, if there's ever an accident, he said something like, if there's ever an accident that happens, like, keep that re- re- keep that recorded. Like, you know, just so maybe it could be used later on. But even with wrestling, like, you could go back to, like, um, Chris Benoit and Sabu in ECW when Sabu broke his neck off the one, like, flip that he was supposed to take or whatever, and how they were like, okay, that was an accident, it wasn't supposed to happen. But let's take things from there. Now we have a storyline that we can use from that. Or even the time when Owen Hart, like, um, when he pile drove Steve Austin, and they were like, let's incorporate that. So it's it's kind of a thing of, like, when we were talking about with, um, when injuries do happen, just go from there. Like, don't, don't, like, act like it didn't happen. And that was the same thing with Nia Jax. All of a sudden, like, Nia Jax, one of her big things was like, if I punch you in the face, I might break your nose. Yeah, I mean, it- scenario, you know what I mean? Like, I think as, as you know, the writers, or if you will, or the bookers, whoever, you know, at this point you want to call it, uh, decided that was the best route. You can't really insult people's intelligence, you know, and I think when uh, Sabu and Benoit, when that happened, there's just all, all these ways of saying, well, we're not going to insult anybody's intelligence, we're just going to make it something more. And again, it's emotion, man. Like, how, like, people can say whatever they want, but they have to be some sort of emotion triggered for people to go online and rip into Nia Jax and take back the side, vice versa, whatever the case may be. If, you know, Twitter had existed in, in back when Owen broke the knees back, uh, you know, I'm sure that would have probably also garnered a lot of reactions. So, of course, as a promoter or anybody within this wrestling industry, you should probably capitalize on it. You know, you, you obviously don't want anyone dying. Like, it's not a situation where someone dies for you. know, Bless us all here for being able to do this. But if there's a scenario where, you know, something happens, then just, just go with it. It's business. So, do you think, um, out of the fans wise, um, should you ask, like, if they talk about, um, like you did something wrong in the ring, would you like to ask them, you should take a bump in the ring and see how that feels? No. No. I'm not. Okay. Uh, UF and I was like, I dude, I, I like to me, it was never something that threw me off. You know what I mean? Like, wrestling, stuff's gonna happen to wrestling that's beyond our control. It should happen. So, like, to me, to react to something you have up would indicate that, like, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of just take, if, if something messes up in a match, in my opinion, uh, again, unless the fuck somebody got her breaks her neck. I 
I know my place in wrestling. I know, I know what I can do. I know what other athletes who do this can do. There's no reason for me to be like, yeah, you get in the ring. Enjoy your time as a fan. Just be loud. I'd rather you be loud and, and boisterous and, you know, and, and be into it than be one of the people who sits on their hands the whole time. I'm not one of them. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm looking, 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 looking. None of my questions are in order. <laughs> just, just, okay. just, it's like a dartboard. Just pick any of them. I know. I'm trying. Okay. Um, we we talked about the business all the time. Let's talk about your career and all. Um, what what's the best story like? Like a road trip, uh, wrestling story. Do you, you have any good uh, good road stories? I have a journal that I keep a lot of stuff in and I'm probably sure that I'll once I'm done with wrestling I'll probably have it printed you know let the backlash begin um it was never like I remember one time I was driving with a couple of guys uh back up to Pittsburgh and I was out of it man I was just exhausted and one of the guys three of us drove one of us did not uh because he didn't have a license but I was exhausted, and I was sick. So I sat in the back seat, and I said, listen, you, one of you guys drive. We parked into a McDonald's, like, spot, just to kind of, like, chase seat. <laughs> and one of the dudes was high. <laughs> the guy on the right, in the passenger side, was high. He ended up, uh, the guy who was sober was in the driver's seat, ready to go. And he asked me, if I'm about to, like, like knock out in the back seat, which one's the gas pedal? <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? Like, no. And, and, and I told the guy who was high that he could drive instead. Because I wanted, I needed to get home. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things where I left my life on the line of the guy who wasn't sober. Not that he was drunk, ladies and gentlemen. He, he, was, he was just high. He was <laughs> uh, wasn't anything crazy. I would never let a drunk driver drive. Uh, but yeah, he was a little, he was a little buzzed. He was a little marijuana and, uh, and I let I let him uh, I let him, I'm like dude you, you drive uh, I I am not being. he's like oh the other guy was like let me practice what like, practice what you don't know the gas pedal it's the brake pedal like this just was not a good sign I was like and we and we made it home safe of course oh gosh <laughs> but there's other stuff man there's probably a lot of other things like I said I mean uh I mean I I remember we did a show stage with me. This one I couldn't name you. Uh, Pinky Sanchez, uh, Mike Donovan, uh, Reza is from Elm Street Kids School. Uh, they were back in the day. Well, uh, Pinky's still around. Uh, so is Mike. Uh, so we had done a show in Union City at 8 at 6th Street, and we were supposed to go up to upstate to do this big, you know, like show, a bunch of companies and all this other stuff. And this girl who was with us to do the ballet, I guess. Uh, was telling how you know how big this show was, and we're like all excited because like you know it's our, our first show upstate, and we're like, all right, you know we're gonna go from here, and we'll get some stay, we'll get some sleep. Dude, I was on the road for over twelve hours, and I was the only one driving, so I'm the only one with a license. <laughs> and let me tell you, we were it was brutal, man. I mean, I was exhausted. I ended up sleeping in a makeshift closet for like forty minutes. 
got back in the car, we drove to this huge event, which turned out to be a wrestling ring in front of somebody's yard. And uh, we, this was before Matt Quest, this was before like DPS, and so I, I assumed this girl knew where we were going. Uh, she did not. Uh, it, it was brutal, man. The end show for that was me and my daughter decided to work in the because we're like, well, what, what, like, what was the point? Like, this one thing, like, what was just shows? Eight backyard shows, shows up in front of somebody's yard. And so I slowly, we had a, a, a spot, I guess, worked out where uh, Pinky and Reza were fighting outside the ring. And I like, kind of moved my car up on the side street. And at one point, Pinky, just, uh, or I said Reza, threw Pinky into the door of my car, opened the car door, the back seat, chucks him in, sticks his finger out at everybody, said that, he, that they owed us money, which he did. Close the door, and then we just drive off to the next bill. You know, we drove back home. You know? <laughs> that was the end of the match never ended. <laughs> the match is still going on. Yeah, and technically, uh, six, seven years down the line, I, I don't know how long ago that was, the match between Pinky Sanchez and, uh, and Riz never ended. Somebody book it, please. Somebody book it. Let's finish. That's when you, that's, that's when you put a video up on social media and have somebody pin the other person. It's like, like okay, the match is finally over. It's like when um Kurt Hall, um no um Curtis Axel never lost the Royal Rumble, never got thrown out. Um, this is gonna, this is going to be the last question on my part. So, and it's just a random one. I don't know why. I just I, I guess because of the scenario that you just brought up. So, what do you think of the twenty four seven title? You know, I don't know, people, I think, look, it's, it's a good opportunity for good TV and good, like, you know, like, obviously it's being used as a comic relief. I don't see anything wrong with it, man. Like, people need to realize WWE produces a lot of TV. And I'm not just saying that as a guy like, oh, I want to get a job with them. I'm saying that as a person who has helped produce shows. Like, it's not easy, man. And, and producing the amount of footage and, and content that they do every week, you need... People, like, you know, you have the, the hardcore wrestling fans saying it's up, you know, it's this, that, and you have, people are going to have their opinions, that's fine. But the thing is, like, they need to fill in a gap of TV time and content that they need to be able to distribute. And that's what you have to realize, like, it, it becomes more than just wrestling at that point, you know. It, it, it has to be a little bit of everything to entice everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. We need to see more EC3 carrying around his drink cup. <laughs> oh, boy. That dude is so hungry. That, that, guy, that guy's good. It's such a, a shame what they're doing with him. Anyway. Did, you, did you actually hear about the, um, the stable they have with him now? Yeah. It was the, main, the, the main event muscle man. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is, that, is, that, is that real? I didn't know that. I thought it was like, I saw it on Instagram and I thought that was like a joke. Like, just somebody put I remember meeting you at um, Magic, Pro Wrestling Magic. Yeah. And the first thing I saw was at your table was a Simpson t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that is like my favorite t-shirt. And, um, do you ever the watch... number one selling t-shirt. Is I it mean, the number one selling t-shirt? Awesome. The, tur- the turquoise, my turquoise, uh, it's, so it's my ode to Homer Simpson as Mr. Sparkle, but it's me, of course, with my barbell and... Says my name is Japanese claw, my claw. Uh, it's a misprint because it, it never 
English version of it is obviously not there, which it was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, it's funny. The Tartar Course one, uh, the best-selling uh, shirt I've ever had is the, is the uh, Colossal Mike Wall. I call it the Made in Japan, uh, you know, barbell uh, shirt. So it, it, it's cool, man. I, I, I get a lot of people who, like last night at uh, NAX in Long Island, uh, I had a couple people buy those shirts. So those are cool and, you know, uh, I like it. I like the Greek of 98 shirt. That's the new one that just came out, the Greek of 98, yeah. uh, which is when people get confused, like, oh, I thought you were around 2001. Yeah, I started training in 1998. That's why I say that. Yeah, um, the, the other shirt I liked was the Save by the Bell one. Save by the Dumbbell. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the Save by the Barbell uh, t-shirt is available on my storefront tier site. I'm going to throw a cheap plug in there while we're at it. Uh, <laughs> I, was hoping, I was hoping for that plug. I was hoping for that plug. Okay, my last yeah. question. <laughs> my last question. Here we go. Um... 18 years you've been in the business what would you change and what would you not change wow um, I would have I would have um, I would have surrounded myself with people who wanted this my problem would be and I'm still a little not that I'm, I'm, I'm this is like the last few years and going forward are going to be the best that you'll ever see me at in terms of where I'm at mentally, where I'm at physically, you know, like, it, it's really hard to all come through it. People don't realize, like, I had a lot of mental issues. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, like, I'm mental, but I had a lot of, like, depression. I had a lot of doubt. I had a lot of, stuff. you know, I was very, I had very tough issues to overcome uh, when I was 20, when I was 21, when I first started the wrestling business. Like, I had a lot of, you know, problems, you know, from a mental standpoint, that I've overcome and I'm happy about it. I, you know, I'm at the happiest I've ever been. And to me, I, if I could go back, I would have probably taken care of those issues way sooner than I did. Because then now it's one of those things where I wasted a lot of years in in kind of just confinement to just like, all right, I'll do this here and there. But I, the funny thing is, I'm hungry now. I'm in, I'm in better physical, mental condition now that I was when I was 25. Mm-hmm. But if I had to change, I would change that for sure. But I also would have probably surrounded myself with the guys who were serious about doing this. I was way too friendly with the good, they were all great guys, all good dudes. Um, I don't regret the friendships. I just probably should have kind of, there was like a few set of groups um, real quick. There was like Amazing Red, Firestorm, uh, SAT, Brian XL, and a couple of those guys, and they had their own thing, and I probably should have chosen to go with those guys. You know, in terms of the career aspiration, whereas with the other guys, they were all good dudes, but this just wasn't going to be a career for them, and they didn't really, you know what I mean? Like, they weren't thinking it as, like, this is going to be something I want to do for a living, this is something I want to do because I just want to have fun, you know, and, and, and Honestly, man, that, that, that makes a huge difference. If I was to find any young guy or girl uh, about this, just surround yourself with people who want to be successful. It, it, it makes a world of difference. And, it, and, and things probably would have played out a little different. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now. I'm happy where I'm going. But it probably would have played off a lot sooner and a lot 
<clears throat> um, you got any social media that um we can follow you from? Oh yeah, Twitter, Instagram, same thing at Colossal Mike Law. Um, Facebook, I'm, I'm probably on my Facebook like over five thousand people that uh have you know I would say friends, not all of my friends, but people that uh that I'm uh, you know acquaintances associated with in some sort of manner. Uh, but uh, you can also purchase any of those t-shirts we still spoke about. We give you the best quality t-shirts. Storefrontier.com. Uh, Colossal Mike Law on the search engine. That just makes everything easier for everybody. Uh, definitely appreciate the people who do buy my shirt at shows or online. It supports me. It helps me continue to, you know, entertain the fans and, and you know, put the best, you know, uh, product forward. Yeah, one one of the things that we do when we upload the videos is um, we'll we'll tag on the episodes and also for anybody that's on the uh, on our well actually anybody in general basically if there's any shows or any dates that they want to promote or advertise that they can do it on our uh, Facebook group page. So <clears throat> awesome, man! I mean, I can speak on behalf of many of us who do this, and you guys provide an outlet. Um, I know some people are very like, oh, I don't want this podcast unless they have this and this bothers. I, I would get it this way, man. Like, if I were to retire a few years from now or be wrestling, whatever the case may be, I want people to be like, oh, well, I should look up this guy's podcast. This is his views on that, you know? Like, I leave this as part of my legacy, my overall legacy of what I want represented, you know? And my opinions may change a year from now or even two weeks from now, but you guys podcast and jury, all you guys, you guys allow us to kind of convey our feelings uh, on a, I don't do Twitter like that, you know, like, I have some say I'm going to say it on a podcast, so I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Um, I always tell this, every time you come on the Instagram, you're a part of family, so welcome to the family. Oh, thank you, boys, I really appreciate it, man, I had a great time. It was fun, okay. Alright, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for your time, man. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Have a good night, man. Yep. I guess we were supposed to say, and this has been the Colossal oh. Mike Law. Oh, yeah. This was the Colossal Mike Law. He's already off the phone. No, it was, it was a good show. We'll, uh, I got a, I got like 10 minutes ago. That's why I was like, yeah, we got to kind of yeah. speed things up. But, um, what? Oh, and also let let them know or ask them about the picture and everything on Facebook. Like I give you the pictures. Okay, well just just tell them it's the the episode is probably going to be uploaded tomorrow, so just keep an eye open for that. Okay. Is there anything or what's what's our schedule? Oh, let me get you have my phone. Let's bring it over here. So my schedule. Okay, we are going into July on. So, we're not doing a show on July 7th, but we're moving it over to July 9th because that's when Killian McMurphy will come on. Um, July, July 14th, it's, we're not, we don't have an interview, so we're moving down to July 21st with Greg Spitz. He is the greatest showman. I hope he likes that. He was a, he was a tag team partner with Brian Sosha, so... And then on to Mac's birthday, we got Josh Adams, Violence. Yeah. Um, 
See, I said your birthday. And then we're going to August. We got Monster Factory trainer, owner, Danny Cage. So we can ask him about Matt Riddle, his stuff going on, how Booker T said. We'll see what he says about that. Oh, we got stories now. And then August 11th, we're taking off because it's SummerSlam, barbecue. If you want to come, come. Um, is Haystack going to be there? No, Haystack is not going to be there. So you can give lessons on what burgers look like when they're medium well. Um, the, and then on um, August 18th, we got Scott Hole's trainee, S, um, Ethan Essex. And then on... Wait, Scott Hole, you and Cody Hall? Scott Hall. He trained as an old kid. Ah. Um, and then August 25th, we got the young monster. He's going to be big in the future. I thought you were going to yellow books. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Payne. Mike Law has uh, Askins as a mutual friend also. I should have asked him about him. Oh. Like, you know this guy? <laughs> he fed wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, right there, we got September's going to get started soon and try to put things together. I'm hoping to get one big name. I think it will be a great episode if we get it. Sign guy? No. Damn. Teddy? Teddy? Yeah, right now we're working on it, and so. we're just waiting for him to come back and tell us his schedule. So, so for this upcoming episode for the um, this week, our big topic is going to be Fighter Fest and just you know everything going on. With what that. day we're doing that? Yeah, I mean we're we'll we'll bring up. You know, Raw, SmackDown, or Things Better Than Raw and SmackDown. And Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman being the leads now. That's actually something we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. That, that was huge news. And, uh... When are we doing this again? This week. Should be... Wednesday? Or uh, free? Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah. Free. Whichever day works. Because I really want to go see a movie on Tuesday, but... Well, you can't do that. I don't want to talk about movies. I don't want to talk about Wrestling! wrestling. What movie? I want to see Toy Story 4. Oh, Jesus Christ. You can I mean, wait. Okay, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's Toy Story 4. Yeah, but it's going to be in the theaters for longer than a week. But I have... But is it opening night? No, it's... It's, it's been out already. It's been out already. Uh, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I haven't know. read anybody's... Like you have never seen Toy Story. That's all Toy Story. I think everybody's seen Toy Story. Did, Did you see two and three? No. Well, three was a sad one. Are you kidding me? Well, that's why I didn't want to see it, because it was a sad one. I don't want to cry. You've never seen two or three? I might have seen two. I don't remember. Dude, I don't watch movies, okay? You know this. I am the I am the guy that watches movies, because now reading up on Ghostbusters, I'm kind of more psyched for it. But you need to see videos. Yes. See? It's not, But I am psyched that they signed Paul Rudd. You're not. It doesn't matter. You need to I'm see previews. I do need to see previews. I'm waiting for 2020. Then you can't be psyched for it because you haven't seen anything. You just know the actors. I'm psyched for the actors. Do you, get what you, you know, I know he's being an asshole. <laughs> like, I'm not being an asshole. If I'm being an asshole, you're being an asshole. Because you give shit to people for doing the same. Oh, I'm so excited for this. I'm not, but you I haven't said, seen psyched. anything. Excited and psyched is two different things. See, psyched, and we will talk more about this. 
later that this sucks. week. See, psych is more. Oh, I'm psyched for it. Excited? Oh, I see video. Yes. We're about to have an argument, fans. We have run out of time. We'll this, catch you guys later this, this week. This was DB Richards. This is Fran. JCL. And we just had Mike Law on. The colossal Mike Law. Yay. Thank you. See you. Night. <laughs>